My name is Danker Stoker. I'm the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker. He's the author of Dracula. I'm the author of Dracula, along with J.D. Barker. You're listening to Horror Film Face-Off. The Longbox Crusade presents an action film face-off holiday special. It's Horror Film Face-Off. In this episode, it's 1989 versus 1993. Two scary films enter. One scary film leaves. <laughs> Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man everybody welcome back to action film face off or in this case horror film face off it's the halloween special and this is the show where two random years are selected my brother will bring a horror film from one of the random years i bring a horror film from the other random year and then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria and the champion will be crowned by the end of the episode i am jared albert the death probe my co-host is my brother jason the weasel skull we are both military combat vets who take our action very seriously but not too seriously so let's have some fun let's have some halloween fun i'm wearing a costume i have the sheet with the two holes cut out of it i did it charlie brown style though i cut a few extra holes (laughs) just for fun jason what are you wearing for halloween this year i'm david s pumpkins i'm my own thing Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, best horror scene, the hero, and the villain. And if you were thinking that since this is a special, we'd actually put it in the right order this time, you would be wrong. We're leaving it out of order to make sure you're paying attention. That's right, folks. We're not doing this because we've been lazy for six years. We're doing this for you. It's trick or treat, man. And this is the trick portion. <laughs> That's right. All right. But then there will be the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, David S. Pumpkins. And as we've been doing for the, I don't know, a couple of years now, we have our sniper. Our sniper has just one point to give in each category. So the sniper can sway the scoring for a total of five points. Let us meet our sniper for the special Halloween episode. It is Jim, the Joe Junkie. Jim Meal. welcome to Horror Film Face-Off, Jim. How are we doing today? Thanks for having me. What's your costume? I really don't have one. I mean, I'm usually not this good looking, so I guess you could say that's that's my costume. Oh, okay. You, <laughs> you've you've uh, you've you've cleaned yourself up for this episode. <laughs> it's, it's cleaned up, Jim. <laughs> so it's James now, if you please. <laughs> James, correct. Yes, I'll go get your uh, drinks later. <laughs> All right, let's get into the meat and the potatoes. You have one question to answer. Jason and I are judging you. What are three of your favorite horror films? Go. Now, when I did this, I was thinking horror suspense. Okay, so I stretched a little bit. First one is Signs. 
Oh, I like Signs a lot. That's M, good. Yeah, by M, an early M Night Shyamalan. What Lies Beneath? Oh, with Harris, okay. Harrison Ford. Yes, yes. Yep. And of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Johnny Depp, who didn't make it all the way through, did he? He did not. He had a serious <laughs> waterbed incident. If I remember, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yep. All right, now before our two films enter the Video Dome Arena, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with those special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes. They get extra items in their trick-or-treat goodie bag this time of year. Offer not available in all areas. And so much more. These are the folks reaping benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to our show. Helica, Werewolf in London. Oh, get a big dish of beef chow mein. <laughs> oh, burned Elvis. Bill Beer Splitting Scream. Blast it or stash it or slash it. Braxton Undertaker Wood. Captain Entrails of P. Clark Scarecrow in the Westfield. Creepy Clinton Robeson. I thought you were going to make up some Halloween names. Just as well as no one, right? <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> Just because he's in the basement, does it? Well, oh, yeah. this is oh, this is the Halloween. Okay, got it. <laughs> Devilish Dave Collins, Evil Eye Ezra Gallo, Gary V, and the V stands for Vampire. Gerald Gangreen, Jason Voorhees Keen, Jason Ladyfingers, Jeremy L, and the L stands for Lunatic. Jim Head in a Jarman. Jim Meal of Brains. Brains. Jinx Joe Thomas. Jigsaw John Watson. Josh Strickland, Principal of Pain. Candace Mental Ward. Candy Corn Kathy Bright. Mark of the Beast Ross. Matt and Lissy Poltergeist So. Murderous Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. And the W stands for Witchcraft. P.D. Devins. And the P.D. stands for Probably Deranged. Paul Bearer Hicks. Rick of Jeff and Rick presents Jeff's dead body. Rotting Rob Morgan. Sinister Samantha Maney. Shivering Sean Urbanski. Spidey, six feet under seven. Spreadsheet from beyond the grave. It can't all be winners. <laughs> Stephen King Cronin. Tim Vincent Price. Tony the Pitt and the Pennington. And the Toronto Wolf Cup. If we miss anyone on the list, we apologize. Remember, we record these episodes well in advance of release. Well, maybe not this one, because we do record it just a couple weeks before Halloween. But hey, if anything went wrong and you're supposed to be on the list and we didn't say your name, send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get that straightened out. And if you're asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member with a 86% chance of having a clever Halloween themed name? Well, it's simple. Just go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. All right. All right. So the neighborhood cops come and giving us our safety briefing. Let's get those candy bags out and get to trick-or-treating. Let's get back to the scares and learn a little bit about the film Frighteners about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1989, so I selected Warlock. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 1993, so I'm putting into our video dome arena, Warlock 2, the Armageddon. And it really did work out like that, folks. <laughs> that is a legit randomizer. 
And Jason and I were coming through the movies, and I was like, well, I got Warlock. And Jason was like, I got Warlock, too. (laughs) And I'd never seen either one, so this was a great opportunity for me. There you go. This is a fine matchup, folks, so it's important to point out this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like part two better than part one or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved horror films and coming to a consensus on which one is going to be this episode's champion. Let's do a quick around the room on where we saw it. Uh, I originally saw warlock armageddon i saw the second one is the only one i had seen i found it on vhs and i watched it out in my building and then when it came up for this horror film face-off i had never seen original warlock so i just watched it off my plex server and refreshed i did a refresh on warlock 2 also on the plex server jason how'd you watch these i had seen neither of them so i rented them both from apple for i think 5.99 each Oh man, Apple getting pricey with the six dollars. It, it was pretty pricey. I got. Man, you can order the DVD for six. <laughs> if I planned ahead, I might have done that. Actually, you know what? In the horror community, the 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 physical media community, just a peek behind the curtain, since I do a fair amount of eBay and yard sale and stuff, the horror community pays a bit more. The older horror films on VHS and DVD are a bit more valuable. So you might actually get a pretty good deal. <laughs> Well, right, the quality Jim. was good, so I mean, I enjoyed it. You get what you pay for sometimes. No commercials, so there was- all right, all right, Jim. How'd you watch these films? Well, I'm kind of like the yard sale artist there, like you, Jared, and I'm cheap. I watched them both on Tubi. Ah, they're both available on Tubi. Yes, Which they are. A couple commercials, right? But just a few, not too many. Nice. So, so are they commercials for like witchcraft items? No, no. <laughs> but I muted them. awesome all right folks here's your spoiler warning we are clearly going to spoil both these movies they're pretty old so but still you know if you've never seen them like jason hadn't seen them i hadn't seen one of them jim had you ever seen these before no this was my first time for both of them i'd heard of them back in the day but i'd never seen them all right so you know spoilers are a thing we will give you a little musical break here if you want to pause the show maybe watch one or both these films we'll be waiting for you when you get back See you on the other side of this break. All right, folks, welcome back. Let me jump in with some quick information on 1989's Warlock. In a time of fear and suspicion, choose to admit your crimes before man and God. His coming was foretold. Now, he is here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. He has the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. (laughs) Satan also has one son. First to have laid eyes upon the new Messiah. Now, an enemy from his past. 
who appointed you executioner. And a girl from the prison. You know what he's capable of. Next time he's going to kill me. I'll not let him harm you. Are the only hope for the future. This is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. Cast and crew, it's Julia Sands, Lori Singer, and Richard E. Grant. It's directed by Steve Miner. Synopsis goes a little something like this. And this is a synopsis that I copied right off of a guy who wrote one on IMDb. His name is Ed Sutton. I read his and I was like, that's a really good summary. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know that I could do any better. So this is a straight copy and paste. Shout out to Ed Sutton on IMDb. In Boston of 1691, a warlock is sentenced to death, but escapes magically into the future, which is our present. Well, our present as of 1989. Followed doggedly by a witch hunter. There he is searching for three parts of the devil's Bible, trailed by the witch hunter and the woman whose house he landed in. They must stop him as the book contains the true name of God, which he can use to uncreate the world. Here's your trivia. Item number one. When Julian Sands received the script, he assumed it was in the mold of the very popular 80s slashers movies, and he wasn't that interested, so it sat around a while before he got around to reading it. Once he finally actually read it, he was captivated and quickly became excited about doing the film. Item number two. Screenwriter David Toohey's original conception was the warlock was a good-natured man who fled the 17th century to avoid religious persecution, only to find himself similarly persecuted in the 20th century. After working on the script for two months, he realized it just didn't work and decided to make the character a villain, which is good because that's the hallmark of this whole series of films. <laughs> and the third and final one, which I think is going to kind of play nicely into Jason's film. The film was originally completed in 1988 and it was one of the very last films by the distributor New World Pictures. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The film's trailer was actually shown before early 1989 theatrical releases. Instead of going direct to video, however, Warlock was picked up and released in theaters by Trimark in 1991. So its box office success led to a sequel, uh, which was, of course, Warlock to the Armageddon, in which Trimark becomes the theatrical release company. So this is one of those weird movies. It's like it was made by one company. It was about to just die. Another company came in, kind of bought out their inventory. And they gave it new life. So you really have Trimark coming in to uh, save the day if you're a Warlock fan. And now I will give you the rundown on 1993's Warlock, the Armageddon. All the signs are now in place. Warlock is here. The son of Satan has returned to fulfill his destiny. What does that command? There are five stones like the one she wears. You must possess them all. He has six days to seek out the stones of power. Who the hell are you? I'm interested in this stone. It's not for sale. I never said anything about buying. And hold destruction. Picasso. Definitely Picasso. In the palm of his hand. Tomorrow, everything is going to be destroyed. I've come for the stone. There's only one way to stop a warlock. You mean like I have to fight? I can't even fight the school bully. A chosen few stand between him and his quest. Who am I? A second warrior. Get the stone as far away as possible. 
They must destroy him. That's the best you can do! Before he destroys creation. Ride's over. But to conquer the warlock. Our betrayals, partners. They must face the ultimate fear. You look so tough now, do you, Blondie? Julian Sands. It is time. Cast and crew includes Julian Sands returning as the Warlock. You've got Chris Young, Paula Marshall, and Bruce Glover. See, Bond Connections get you into the credits, even if you weren't like a starring role. As long Hell as yeah! There and you got the Bond, Bond movie. You're you get getting mentioned. On, you're getting on this list. <laughs> And it was directed by Anthony Hickox. Synopsis goes a little something like this. The warlock is back, baby. And this time, he wants to bring his daddy with him. In the old-timey days, a group of druids each possessed one of six stones. In times of an eclipse, the devil would try to make his way to our world by possessing... You know what? Forget it. All you need to know is that the warlock comes back to recover six stones, and a bunch of old-ass druids need to stop him. Since they are, and shall we say, past their prime in warlock fighting years, they need to recruit the next generation by killing them, resurrecting them, and training them Jedi style. You really should just watch it. Anyway, it's a showdown of good versus evil with the universe itself on the line. <laughs> it's all well, well done. <laughs> I don't make sense of it. It's a movie you let wash over you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just sit back. It's like, you know, when you're at basic training, you get out that first weekend and you just make all kinds of bad decisions. Just sit back. back (laughs) All right. So trivia. Not a lot of trivia on this one. I looked on IMDb. I looked at a couple other sources. There's not a whole lot. But I guess the original director was Frank LaLoja. He was originally tasked to direct the film, but his version was uh, deemed too expensive by the studio. And this film was shot in only 38 days. So it was go, go, go. That's pretty impressive. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. No, I thought so. I was really surprised. And this was uh, R.G. Armstrong. He's the fellow that played Franks, one of the Druids. This was his last film before he he passed away. R.G. had roles in Predator. He was that general that like was so old back then, it looked like somebody assigned him to some jungle and just forgot him. You know? <laughs> it was like his uniform was all falling apart. He also had a role in Dick Tracy, he played uh, Pruneface. And he had a role uh, with John Wayne in El Dorado. He was in Children of the Corn. And near and dear to Jared's heart, he was in one episode of Quantum Leap. I love Quantum Leap. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, get to Mike. Let's get ready to rumble. Oh, it's the spooky, spooky time. Let's get into it. 
All right. Remember, we have two films of five categories. So Jason and I can match up to 10 times. Go ahead and place your bets now on how many we are going to match. If you want to play old match game, the game within the game. Speaking of scores, as a reminder, as we do on all episodes, your score barometer is as follows. A five is solid. It's average. It's something you see on a halfway decent made for TV movie. You go, yeah, I kind of expect that. Four, three, two, one is not so good. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yourself a fine film. With all that said, let's get into round one. I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Round one is the story. How engaging is the story? How original was the story? We will start in 1989 with the original Warlock, and we will start with Jim Meal's thoughts on the story. The story on Warlock with the time jump to the hero and the villain had to kind of adjust and figure things out as they went along. I thought that was pretty good. It was a typical heist or chase movie from what? They went from California to Boston. Yep. I think, along the way. I think like page one was in California. Page yep. two was in Colorado and page three was, was it in Boston? I think it was in like. Boston. So it's convenient that all three of them were right there in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Now I am Jim, the Joe junkie. So I correlated both of these movies. Both the movies had the same kind of, you know, capture things and find things mm-hmm. very similar to the first three mini series of the G.I. Joe cartoon. Oh my gosh. They, had they really to go, are. <laughs> <laughs> they had to go and find, you know, the first one, they had to find the, the stuff for the mass uh, device, mass device, then the weather dominator, and then the destroy the pyramid of darkness, all similar things. So that's how I correlated those. But overall a story, for uh, what was considered a horror movie, I thought it was pretty good. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're absolutely right. Uh, when I watched both of these, I was like, these are fetch quest movies. These, This is like very much how you build a video game. <laughs> you know, I got to find this and find that. It's kind of like on the first one, which is what you were saying. You're like, okay, it's a fetch quest movie. And I love that they kept that theme. And the second one, they're like, no, no, we have a formula. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about it in the second one, but they just went from the East Coast to the West Coast in the second one. <laughs> Man, the whole warlock's getting those frequent flyer mouth. <laughs> All right, Jason, I've been talking too much. Your thoughts on 1989, the original Warlock? Yeah, not much to say that you guys didn't, didn't say. It was a fetch quest. I guess I'm always a sucker for the uh, the man out of time, or in this case, the men out of time element of it. So that added a little bit of a unique layer. It's a fetch quest in which these two men find themselves in the future. and. I think they both adapted relatively well, relatively quickly. I, I would have just been like, I'd still be standing frozen in place. Like what in the world is this? Uh, but yeah, I thought for the most part, it was functional. I wouldn't say there was anything really special. We had we had a MacGuffin and we had a good guy going to find it and a bad guy going to find it. And the two are going to come to loggerheads at the end. and we will have a showdown and that's what we got fair enough let's move forward in time a bit to 1993 with the warlock 2 armageddon jim again very similar to the second movie or the first movie pardon me this time the heroes already were in that time frame they had to capture the stones on this one the the five stones right stones yes. Yes. not pages stuff now yeah but it didn't copy the first one completely they still had some different things they had to do and the story of the training with the the heroes 
and how they're passing on from the Druids to the younger. That was intriguing because they didn't know what they had to do, but the villain, he knew what he had to do. So they were kind of playing catch up. The heroes were. So I thought that was pretty good. Overall, again, story was good. Similar to the first one. I agree. It's not too far off. I feel like they almost just took the first one and maybe perfected it a little bit, added a couple extra fun layers. I don't know. They almost made it from the first one. They added kind of the teen side of it, kind of made it into a teen Uh horror movie. You're right. You could almost just cut and paste what I said on the first one and say it again right here for the second one. Same element. Got the MacGuffin. You got the bad guy coming back. Different good guy coming after them this time. Going to have the loggerheads in a showdown. But I think what made this one a little more interesting was the good guys were already established in this time period. And that in itself had some complexities because they'd been charged with this responsibility, which made them kind of the outsiders to their community. So there's there's that element there, that strained element. And then there was a fraction within the group, right, where the preacher was like, I don't want to have any part of this anymore. And then you had the, you know, kind of the old school druids, which are like, hey, this is what we got to do. And as the viewer, we weren't really sure what was all happening there. So there were some shocking moments in the movie that I was, that I was like, what? What is happening here? And so there was a bit more of a layered mystery, and the good guys were a little more interesting to me. And we'll talk about that a little more in the heroes part. But I think that that element kind of elevated the story in Warlock 2 for me a little bit. Absolutely. I picked up on all those same vibes. And we will talk about the hero uh, in the next round. So I'll save any additionals I have for when we get there. For now, we will score these. Jason. On a scale of 1 to 10, you gave the story to the original Warlock film. A, I gave it a 6. It was pretty serviceable. Had the van out of time element that I liked. But as far as original storytelling goes, not a lot of originality here, but serviceable. And match game. I also gave it a 6. We are off to a match game start. Let's go to 1993. Warlock Armageddon. I got the feeling we both liked it a little more. So let's hear that score. Yeah, I pushed that one up to seven for the reasons that I stated. I thought there was a little more mystery element to the heroes. I wasn't really so much interested in the young two as I was in the old group. So maybe the young two didn't quite hit for me as much. And we'll talk about that in the next round. But the old guys really were interesting to me. And there were some mysterious elements that kept me hooked. Match game number two. I also gave it a seven. Let's see if Jim agrees with us. He has one bullet to give. He can pick which movie he thought had a better story. Do you like original Warlock or the sequel, Jim? I did like the story a little bit better on the second one. So I'm going to give my bullet to Warlock Armageddon. There you have it. That's round one in the bag. Over to Jason for round two. They mostly come at night. Mostly. All right. So as promised, we're going to talk about the hero or the heroes of these two films. And let's just go ahead and get into it. Jim, what were your thoughts on the hero, the tracker, and and his young lady accomplice there in Warlock? Was she always young? There was a point where she was, what, 40, 60 years old? Don't get me started, Jim. (laughs) She was like, I'm 40, I'm going to die. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. (laughs) 
Yeah, I was the same like 40. Wait a minute. That was like seven years ago. That no, you're not <laughs> old yet. <laughs> I'm 52, man. But the, the heroes in Warlock, I liked how they he was portrayed as you know a man out of time, how he had to understand the cars and different things around. Where do you where did you draw water at or where's your well? You know, and just different things like that. And I liked how he had to adapt to to find them and Probably one of my favorite parts was when he had to get on that plane, that scene where he's like, I don't want, no, I, I don't want to fly in that. And then the, the, the lady friend, I have never seen a 60 year old lady run that fast to a, down a train. I wasn't <laughs> sure that was real. I knew that wasn't real, but I couldn't, I don't know if I can run that fast we'll have, now. We'll have Jason uh, get back to us in about eight years. <laughs> I don't need to. I couldn't have caught that train now. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, it. I'm going to die. But overall, they were serviceable. Let's put it that way. Serviceable. Not exactly uh, stellar words to go by. What do you think about the great action actor, Richard E. Grant? <laughs> <laughs> Straight yeah, this was 1989, man. We had Sly. We, we, we had, we had Bruce Willis. <laughs> all, I, all I could see was him in Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk. I know. <laughs> As the crazy bad guy. I know. I was like, this is an odd choice, man. I mean, he did fine. Serviceable is a good word. But you're right. Like, even if they had a lower budget, I mean, certainly Rowdy Roddy Piper was available. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, I would have loved to see Rowdy Roddy Piper in that. Warlock, more like headlock, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> he wasn't bad. He was fine. I would say actually he rose above what I expected when I first saw him. I was like, like he's the Hudson Hawkeye. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, he's, you know, he's good. And the girl was was good too. It was very 1989. You know what's going to happen. She's going to be resistant, and then she's going to become annoying, and then she's going to become helpful, <laughs> and then you know they're probably going to fall in love. And uh, pretty much all that happened. She carried it pretty well though, because she did have to play 20 year old version, 40 year old version, 60 year old version. Makeup effects were pretty good, but yeah, don't look for a super high score. But I, I'm not going to poop on them either. I think. Jim said it best. Serviceable stuff as far as the hero is concerned. But you got to remember, and we'll get there, the name of the movie is Warlock. So you don't want your hero to be cooler than your villain. And I think that may be why they cast down a little bit. Well, no worries here, Jared. Well, and I wonder too, because all the stuff I saw Richard E. Grant in kind of came after Warlock. So maybe I'm holding his current filmography against him a little bit more maybe that's that's unfair because you're right he did fine he did fine so let's go over and talk about warlock 2 and pitch it back to jim and see what you thought of the heroes kind of a ensemble cast there for warlock 2 as was mentioned you had the kind of the the old old guard and the the new jedi guard that they were teaching like, like you mentioned in your summary soon when i watched that movie i'm like yeah, this this is star wars with witchcraft <laughs> Dark but, Wars. <laughs> but I did like how I think you mentioned it, Jason, the how the old were passing it on. I did question why they had to kill them before they could learn earn their powers. But my question, why did 
was the girl able to do things before she was killed? Because she was able to do something before she was killed, and then I well, I read it kind of as as I was watching it, like she could do just enough. There was enough of an inkling, so she knew something was off. Something had to happen. She was having visions and premonitions, but she wasn't able to entirely tap into her power. And I think that those visions were really tied to the closer the warlock came, the closer that that conflict was coming, the more she was having those visions that were driving her to do that that action where she could get resurrected and become, you know, the powerful hero she was meant to be. That's how I interpreted it. I don't know. Jared, do you have any other thoughts? Uh, she looked real pretty in those dresses she wore. But I did also like there was one part where... They were in the woods and the bully met them and you didn't know if she was going to be the, when she was attacking, you know, controlling his heart, you didn't know if she was going to be the good person that she was supposed to be. There was that moment where like, Ooh, so I, I did like that, but I think the heroes in the second one were much better and more, de- more depth to them. I had to laugh with the bully scene. Cause as I was watching it, I was like, so dude's just going to leave his truck in the middle of the woods then, huh? And I was like, oh, wait, they needed that later. <laughs> yeah. It all came back. I was like, okay, well, you yep, get past I me because I made fun of it at the time. I and did too. Back later, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I realized that because I remember earlier in the movie, they had to say, what, bright light or the sunlight? Yep. Yep. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's those KC off road lights. Yep. <laughs> Check off the gun right there. <laughs> I had no idea. I was clowning the movie Mystery Science Theater style. Like, are you just going to leave that there, are you, buddy? Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, just keep on going, Jared. Tell us what you thought of the heroes there from Warlock Armageddon. Like we were talking about in the story, the heroes are a lot more compelling in this movie. And what's kind of funny is in your fun facts, too, we talked about new director and he wanted to spend too much money. They did in 38 days. I really got the impression they had like a tighter budget, but somehow they got so much more out of it in every aspect. And this is the aspect I think that shines the most. They got three really good character actors that I've seen in lots of other movies to play the three core druids. And then, like you said, they went ahead and added an extra layer in there where they have a fr- the fractured relationship because the preachers kind of found God and he just wants to do the God thing and not <laughs> the druid thing anymore. But he's also running interference for them when the town starts to blame them and their weird druid ways for things. He's like defending them. There's, you can tell there's a rift, but somehow he's like stepping up for them. And so layered and cool. And that's just the three old guys, which granted, I think we all agree because we are three old guys. We're more <laughs> interesting than the teenage kids. But well, you had you had Riggs and Murtaugh's boss, man. You had- I know, right, <laughs> right there. <laughs> And then you got to add in the teenage kids. And you know what, though? As far as like teenagers and movies go, I watch a lot of 80s horror movies, like a lot of them. And, you know, it's probably says something about my character that 99 times out of 100, the teenage kids annoy me so much. I am rooting for the bad guys. I'm like, Jason Voorhees tracked these people down now. I can't take their a-hole ways anymore. These kids weren't like that. They they didn't tick me off. They were a little teenagery, right? But they weren't making really bad decisions. You know, they were fully committed to helping stop the warlock and embracing their new roles. So, yeah, you really have three old dudes, two young people, and they set it all up really well with showing the druid stone setup thing, you know, in the past at the very beginning. So, again, 
they got a lot of money. I think every dollar they put into this movie, they got it on the screen because there's so many layers, uh, so many more layers than the 89 version. I don't, I don't know what their budgets were. I may do some research here in a second, but uh, I would be shocked if they got more money for that sequel, <laughs> but I'll let you know. Well, alrighty then. I think all we have to do is score them. So Jared, what are you going to give the score for the heroes in Warlock? 1989's Warlock, I thought they were good for a made-for-TV movie, and that's a five here on the show. So I gave them a five. So far, we're dress right, dress. This is match game number three. I gave them a five as well, and I don't give out fives to many movies. I, I'm a generous scorer, but yeah, made-for-TV is what this thing was singing to me the whole way, so... Agree. All right, let's move it over to Warlock 2 Armageddon. What'd you give the heroes there? Big separation here. Well, I don't know about big, but decent separation here. I gave them a seven. I thought there was enough compelling stuff that they did with it that doesn't cost you anything. It's just good writing. No more special effects budget needed. Really cool group of old dudes and bringing in the young people. Seven. I gave them a seven as well. Match game num- number uh, did, uh, Laurel four. Laurel says four. Yeah, same reasons. I thought the old dudes really sold it. If it had just been the the two youngins, it probably would have landed on about a six. But man, the old druids really really bumped it up for me. I've got the information on the budgets, by the way. Okay, this just in. This just in, and yeah, check this out. The budget for the original Warlock in 1989 was $15 million. They made the sequel for $3 million. And Mm, I mm, think mm. we'll get to it in spectacle and all that, but I think in almost every level, look at my score sheet, literally every level, (laughs) it outperforms the original. But in my opinion, but $15 million for the first one drops to $3 million for the second one, and they got way more out of that $3 million, in my opinion. Interesting. Jim, you're going to have to lock and load that sniper bullet, that silver bullet for the werewolf. Who's going to get the round this time? We going with Warlock or Warlock 2, the Armageddon? I like the depth of the characters in Warlock 2 better. The old guys training the new ones. The teenagers, as Jared mentioned, didn't annoy me as much as I thought they would. You know, I was worried about that as well. But no, overall... I'm going with Warlock 2 Armageddon. There you have it. Warlock 2 starting to walk away with it, Jared. I can feel it gaining some momentum, but I'm going to pass it back to you to see which of the two villains we liked better. You know? <laughs> yeah, ooh, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do here? There were two villains? <laughs> well, you know, let's get into round three. We all go a little mad sometimes. Round three is the villain. How interesting is your villain? How engaging is your villain, man? Good villains make for great movies. Gotta be menacing, gotta be entertaining. And, well, we've got two movies here that have the same villain played by the same guy. So, spoiler alert, I'm going to give him the same score. (laughs) Here, let's do an action film face-off first, all right? We do the back-forth, back-forth, back-forth thing. Let's just talk about Julian Sands as the Warlock, and you can kind of throw in thoughts if you have tweaks between one and two. So we're going to break format a little bit. This time, Jason gets to go first. Jason, talk to me about Julian Sands as the Warlock, and feel free to differentiate, if you do, between the two movies, and then Jim will have you do the same thing. Mm. Julian Sands as the Warlock. As I stated at the beginning of the show, first time watching these movies, you talked about 
for fans of action film face off back when we did blood and bone the julian sands who had a a pretty good role in blood and bone was the warlock in these movies and when i saw blood and bone i was like that's a pretty good actor and man in both of these movies he likes to chew the scenery he is so charismatic when you think of horror films, that anyway, what I when I think of, I think about grotesque Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and the Mike Myers mask, and here you got this young man that's just handsome, kind of charming, well dressed, and just plain evil. So I don't know. I guess if I had to sum it up, I'd be like charismatic evil, mm-hmm. and just yeah. does such a good job. What a commanding presence he has on the screen. So much so, in fact, that in a couple of instances, and here's kind of, maybe this is where where Warlock, the first one, maybe is a little better than Warlock, the second one. Richard E. Grant, I was kind of making fun of him a little bit, but as an actor, he holds up pretty well against Julian Sands. As those two young couples do not. So mm. it's almost the acting ability, the delta between their acting abilities really kind of shows I in see. Warlock 2, the Armageddon, more so than it does in the first one. So I think that might be the one kind of weak point in Warlock 2. Not that the two were, were bad by any stretch of the imagination, but when you compared them to Julian Sands' character, you know, it was pretty apparent that he was, he was shouldering a lot of the acting in that film i've talked a lot about him a very fascinating character interesting really glad i watched both these movies uh, i feel like uh, i've been missing out on something all these years and I'll, I'll let jim talk a little bit jim what's left to say not a whole lot really as a villain he did a great job in both the movies there were parts i've enjoyed in both you know different scenes he had there but you could definitely tell he was into the role and he, he put everything he had into it and he was convincing. I don't know of anybody else that could fill that role as good as he did. So yeah, that's Jason nailed it on a lot of the aspects of him. He does that. Jason does that (laughs) again. Jason really laid it out well in, in good detail. I would just say, even though I'm going to give him the same score for both movies, the only thing I would add is he definitely did a good job finding his character in 1989's Warlock. And then I almost feel like he's having a little more fun with it in the sequel. Like he's really comfortable with it. You know, he nailed it so well. You know, they called him back even with their limited three million. I know he got a hefty chunk of that three million. <laughs> I know he did. And he's worth it. And I think he's just comfortable and having fun. But anyway, let's just score them. Jason, uh, let's go to Warlock 89. What did you rate Julian Sands in that one? I gave him a solid seven. He is well above average. Pleasantly surprising to me. I'm a bit of a homer for Julian Sands since this is your first foray into Julian Sands as a Warlock. I'd seen him before on that VHS of part two. Really like him. I gave him an eight to me. If you are the face of a franchise like he is, and I'm a homer for him, I, I, I gave him an eight. I so thought let, about it. I thought about an eight, but I was like, I got to see Armageddon three first before. <laughs> start, I do too. I, it out eights. I have not seen Armageddon three, but I'm going to. 
what about two though? Did you did you keep him at a seven, or did you feel like he moved anywhere up or down? I guess if Joe November were here, I'd give him a seven point five. But I I just kept him at a seven. I thought his acting was consistent between both films. I think the direction was a little better, or maybe he had a little more control of the character, like you said. So he, he was given a little more more rope, a little more leeway. So I think he was a little better in Armageddon too, but. You know, performance-wise, pretty much neck and neck. I promise you I'd score him the same. I have him at an eight there as well. So, yeah, we, we're both very consistent on him, but but no match came. Uh, Jim, here's an unenviable spot for you. You have to pick which Julian Sands performance you liked better. And this was actually the uh, the category that I was worried about because he did great in both of them. And I was kind of worried, okay, which one? I wish I could take that bullet and split it, you know, like they did with a, they do an arrow with arrows, you know, you know, and split <laughs> right down the middle, but, but I can't do that. I am going to have to go with the first warlock. That's where he created the character. And now is he in the third one too, or not? Uh, warlock three, the end of innocence has no Julian Sands. Oh, they went Sands free. <laughs> wow yeah i'm not watching warlock 3 now okay 1999 directive video bruce payne takes on the role yeah it's roger corman studios anyway i'm sorry we got to react no we did i did that i'm sorry but where he started the the role and i i just i liked his performance in that one a little bit better fair enough that is the end of round three All right, I'm going to pick it up for round four, which we all know is the spectacle. You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. Spectacle is the stunts. The spectacle is the effects, choreography, the music, soundtrack, the visual effects, the lighting, all the stuff that we throw into a blender and make a good spectacle movie, be it action films or in this case, horror films. So let me kick it over to Jared to start it off this time with Warlock 89. Those flight scenes were something else, weren't they, Jared? <laughs> well, that was definitely going to come up in my conversation. They were okay for 89. Like I was like, well, it's 89, so it, he doesn't do a lot of flying, but some of them are just so janky, and I'm just like, yeah, you almost should have just left that out. Like when he originally starts to fly. Now, I do love that he gets creative with his pose, a little elbow forward kind of thing. Like he doesn't do a Superman. It does his own thing. And that was unique. But then they kind of did this special effect that wasn't so special. And I wanted to give it a pass because 89. But then I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I saw Superman from 1978. And that was convincing us all get out. It can be done. It so, can I mean, be it done. didn't have the budget of it, but. You know, if Jared was to fix Warlock when he first takes off, I would have done the close zoom in of him doing the cool elbow thing. And instead of that janky sort of pasted in, pulled across where he flies by the, I think it's a police officer or somebody in a car. Yeah, it was a police officer. I might have just done like a shadow effect, like just the shadow of him zooming by. Like we know he's flying. Ah, anyways. Yeah, you got to Jaws that. You just got to Jaws it. Yeah, yeah. That would be probably my low point spectacle, but there's a lot of high points. Costuming was good. I like the little props they had, like the little compass that finds him. I thought the music guys did really good. It's not super memorable, but it always fits the mood and it enhances. It does enhance. I couldn't hum you the tune from Warlock right now, so it's not to that level, but it's good and it's solid and and it's there when you need it and it's beat for beat so nothing wrong there like i said costuming looks good 
other than that, decent flick. It still boggles my mind. They had five times the amount of movie. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about the second one in a minute. We need to hear from Jim. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you on the soundtrack, because as we've talked about before, you really notice that stuff more. But but I was paying attention to it in this film and just noticing, yeah, this mood music really is helping to augment my immersion into this scene a little bit. So, Jim, what do you have to add? Not a whole lot to the spectacle. There wasn't a lot of spectacle. As Jared said, you had the flying scene. Really, that was about it for special effects or anything like that. And then you had the wardrobe. But I did like some of the the different scenes that they used. Now, I do have to ask you, Jared, though, you know, you you mentioned the compass. Which compass? Yeah, the witch compass. compass. Yeah, Yeah, the witch witch compass. compass. The witch compass. The The compass for finding witches, yes. (laughs) Did you just drag me into a bit? Because I feel like I, I did. I think you baited me into a bit and I took it like a fish, like saw the, oh, I'm, I'm going to take it. <laughs> he said, which guy? He's like, he's, it was like podcasting with Pat. He's so proud of himself. <laughs> and, and, and I guess he should be because I took the bait. <laughs> I did too. I did too. So bask in your glory, Jim. While Jared talks about Warlock 2, Armageddon, and the spectacle therein. Once again, I cannot believe this movie had one-fifth of the budget of the original. Now, you know, to be fair, the original was filmed in 89. The sequel filmed in, like, 92. Three years of technological advancement might have gone a long way, but I don't know. At one-fifth the budget, and literally everything looks better and sounds better, everything across the board. They even had to do a fair amount of special effects. One of the ones that sticks out in my mind is like Julian Sands is in town. It's almost like a Western moment with the old guys come out with a shotgun. And he does like this levitation thing, walking down the stairs. And like, it wasn't perfect. But for that time period and that budget, I was like, that's pretty good. You know, it looked pretty sweet. Yeah, they had to do the effects with the Druid stuff at the very beginning of the film. They had to do the effects with, you know, training the kid with the baseball and the fire and all that. And, you know, you could tell it was effects work, but it was still better than the flight scene from 1989. So I am just just mind boggled. And again, there could have been in that three years, some good quantum leaps in movie making technology, maybe some stuff that's more affordable. They didn't have at 89. That could totally be it, but it looks better. It sounds better. The costumes are better. The everything's better at a fifth of the budget. Uh, yes. Just say at a fifth of the price, Jim, anything to add there? No, I agree with Jared. The spectacle was better on the second one. I like the scene on the street with the warlock walking down the stairs. I watched it twice, actually, just to make sure I had. And each time I was like, yeah, that's for that year. That's pretty good. Not bad. Um, (laughs) The other question I have is when that creature was coming out of the pit, was that the dog from Ghostbusters? Did it look like the dog from Ghostbusters? (laughs) There is no Dana. Only (laughs) Zool came out of the pit. (laughs) But no, the, the overall spectacle, the scenes, they were all excellent with the second one with Warlock Armageddon. I will say... That young man trained awful hard to get his ass beat that fast. <laughs> like for a minute, I thought, did I miss something? Was there more to this fight? But it just said, "Scene open." Boy, take the ass whooping. And that boy is the Rocky Balboa of the franchise because <laughs> he takes just a relentless series of beatings and damage. It just keeps on coming, man. Yeah, He man. knows what he's worth. He's going to get what he's worth. <laughs> yep. Got to be willing to take the hits. And he you know, was willing. I also have to just be like, 
if we're talking about spectacle, let's just put it out there. All right. The more HD you watch this movie in. <laughs> HD is nuts. Exactly. Julian Sands junk makes an it, appearance. It does, man. We and, saw the Yeah. And one of the really good special effects scenes is like when he's first born, and we'll probably get into that in the best horror scene. So I don't want to steal too much from that. But that was like a really well done creepy horror moment. Again, everything's better than the second one. And if you're a big fan of Julian Sands' junk, that's gonna be available to you. Oh man, well let's score these films. Jared, what are you giving the spectacle to Warlock? The original 1989 Warlock, a little generous. I thought it was better than a made-for-TV movie. And the music really, because that gets it to a six. And then the music being really on point, I thought was particularly good. And I like the costuming. So I went all the way to seven. Feels a little generous, but I gave it a seven. Yeah, you were a little more generous than I was. <laughs> I got the most- I landed at a six, and I am not changing my mind. I feel pretty solid about that six. Well, you know what, Jason? Seven minus one is six. And uh-huh. I think we might have something to talk about later on for a minus one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Before we do that, though, let's talk about the spectacle for Warlock Armageddon. What would you give the score for Warlock Armageddon? I'm having Much- a hard time getting words out of my mouth. <laughs> War- Warlock Armageddon. <laughs> Much improved uh, over the original. Again, I was kind of kind of the original with the seven. I went with an easy eight to the second one. It just had so many great moments on this, as we're learning now, limited budget. It looks so good for what they were working with. This is a director and producer that knows how to get every penny on the screen. And I gave it an eight. Again, a little more generous than me. I landed on a seven for this one. But we're not done yet. Jim, who gets the sniper bullet? I think people know where my sniper bullets are going to go before you even get to me, but I'm going with Warlock Armageddon 2. The graphics were better. The scenes were a little bit better. Just the background, all the different locations, I liked a little bit better. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. It's in the books. I'm going to pass this to Jared. Folks better grab a soda or something because there are a lot of horror scenes in these both of these movies. He'll be passing them back to me here before too long. You know you can just pick the highlights, right? Like you just- <laughs> They're all highlights. They're all great. <laughs> Let's get into round five. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? Round five is best action scene, or in this case, best horror scene. This is horror film face-off. So let's do that thing where we start with Warlock 89. Jason, lay out what you thought were the high points of the horror scenes in Warlock 1989. Scene number one, Warlock escapes from the 17th century to modern-day USA. Or as I call it, my hammies are all stretched out and I'm ready to run. (laughs) (laughs) They had him, like, stretched out, I think. Never mind. Uh, I got it, because it's like his hands were tied to his toes, which was unique. Warlock uh, murders the homeowner in that home that he ends up coming into. Or as I called it, you watch your tongue. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was good tongue-in-cheek humor. Oh, yeah. And then he comes back and he curses, uh, what was her name, the lady? Uh, movie girl. Yeah, movie girl. And I just called that one. She says I'm 40? Like, that's a bad thing? What an ass. Uh, Warlock kills the kid and learns to fly. I called that one. I believe I can fly. I just have to eat his thigh. <laughs> 
That was my favorite one. And then the barn fight, and I called that one, uh, let's try something in this vein. Ah, the weather vein. <laughs> weather vein, right, right, right. <laughs> and then there's the grave fight with stop killing yourself, stop killing yourself, stop killing yourself. <laughs> and, uh, so those are the ones. All right, Jim, what was your favorite horror film, action film? Yeah, what, what was your favorite moment from Warlock? I actually liked the graveyard scene. The final scene there. Stop killing yourself. Um, I like the twist that the last piece was buried with with red fern. Yeah, that was so, interesting. That was that interesting. Was cool. So I like that one. All right. Weasel Skull, what was your favorite action scene? I kind of like the barn fight. I mean, it was so cheesy. I laughed in a couple places, but I, I really liked when it led to the train yard and her getting that bracelet back. I was I was invested in that scene. I know, you know, it was just run pretty fast, but I'd be running pretty fast, dude. I'd have some adrenaline. I'd have some initiative to get that bracelet. I kind of cheered because at first I was like, ah, she almost had it. And then it was like, she didn't get it. She didn't get it. <laughs> Drake and I were watching it together. We're like, she got it. She got it. <laughs> same <laughs> same thing for me as I was watching it with a couple of old high school buddies of mine. Uh, we actually watched these back to back. Yeah, you, uh, there's a certain investment in that scene. And I'm a big fan of Castlevania, the video game. So I got all excited when he got like his salted whip. I was like, oh, it's like Castlevania, man. It was pretty cool. Yeah, there was definitely stakes involved. Like that train, we did the same thing. Three grown men were like, oh, oh, she got it. She got it. And when the weather vane came down, I started singing, yo, so vain. We both have stupid jokes as well. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But I, not faulting Jim uh, on his final scene at all. That one was also very good. Yep. Really good scene. Thought about it. I thought about it. I definitely did too. Let's shift gears and go to Warlock Armageddon 1993. So much to pick from. Everybody get comfortable. I think Jason's got <laughs> scenes to lay out. I'm going to go right from the opening credits. I, I was riveted to those opening credits with the druids having to make the stand while that, that woman was like about to give birth to a devil baby or something. And they break out the ruins and they stop her from being possessed. I called that one. Don't forget your copay. It was a funny. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then there's the warlock being reborn. We talked about that one. And I called that one. Uh, that is one heck of a gender reveal. <laughs> we mentioned his junk being like very prominent oh <laughs> uh, let's see then there's uh the cab ride when he goes and just pretty much turns that cabbie into a zombie we didn't really talk about that but that was pretty cool and i called that one uh his meter is no longer running <laughs> <laughs> hey that's fair <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> Then there's the elevator scene. That was actually a really good tense scene when the one hunter goes to try to square off by himself against the warlock in the elevator. And I called that one uh, blood in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) But you knew he wasn't coming out. (laughs) (laughs) I got to give this one credit to you, Jared. This was the hitchhiker that he picks up. And when you said, uh, which way you headed? <laughs> the witch can be a double entendre. Oh. Too. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the creep show. 
The one where he goes and gets the rune from the carnival barker there. We called that one uh, Mirror Mirror on the Wall. Warlock's got you by the Get, always got to make sure I drop a bleep in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going through it and I realized I didn't have one. So next one is the art dealer, the one where he turns the guy into a work of art. And we called that one, you can't spell Picasso without an eye. Because, <laughs> yeah, his eye was in there too. And then I just did the whole final battle scene with the kids and everything. And I called that one, pipe down. <laughs> So he got bailed by a pipe. Yeah, because he got bailed by a pipe. Ouch. That's a lot, man. There was a lot lot. happening in that movie. That is a lot. And he was seducing that fashion design lady. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She gave him the stone for like, and he just like dropped her. (laughs) She fell in. I forgot about that one, but that that could have made the cut. I did like that one. I'm going to give it some serious consideration. That was a lot of blood for one body, though, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do we call that one? Like model, model bad behavior, or something? <laughs> bad behavior. She needs a tourniquet on the catwalk. <laughs> on the catwalk. All right, too sexy for the stone. Too sexy for the stone. <laughs> Anyways, we have plenty to pick from. We can run a gamut here. We'll start with Jim. Jim, what was your favorite action scene in Armageddon Two or horror scene? There was quite a few of them. There seemed to be more in the second one than the first one. Again, I'm going to go with the overall the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie where they're the showdown in the town, in the woods, keeping it simple. But they were all good. None of them were like, why does this scene in here? They all had reason. But I'm going with the last one again. You can't go wrong. I'm boring. I know. Climax scenes for a reason. Man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, man. which one do you like best, man? I did love the climax scene. I'm not going to lie. It was really good, really well done. But for me, the one that gripped me the most was the little carnival scene. That creeped me out. As far as the creep factor was concerned, the moment he walks in that tent and you had that little lady that that was psychic and could read, and and then he just shoves her in that Iron Maiden. How he toys with the carnival barker there, the... And gets the stone and in the end traps him. And then it's revealed to be this hellish landscape. It was so trippy. And again, Julian Sands was just having so much fun with that scene. You could just tell. I was sitting there looking at those mannequins like, I think those are people. Are those people? Those people this is, this is good. I, I, I was on edge for that guy. I was like, just give him the damn stone, man. <laughs> Don't mess around here. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that carnival scene for me. It was pretty powerful. I can see that, and we are going to spread it around, because I'm going to be honest with you, every time I think about Warlock Armageddon, I'm going to remember that birth scene, man. (laughs) What a way to start your movie, like to introduce or reintroduce your character, because it's like, she's getting all prettied up for the evening, you're like, oh, oh, I wonder where this is going to go. You don't know where it's going to (laughs) go. You don't know. It turns sideways fast. Oh my gosh, I was just like, what is going on? So, in that way, it kind of reminds me of Blade, which Blade has a great climax as well. But I love that kickoff scene of the bloodbath. It just grabs me and keeps me. And I felt similarly about Warlock Armageddon. Well, and I think it really kind of tells with this movie, there were a lot of really good scenes. I mean, the three of us each picked a different one. And you could make an argument for several of the other ones listed in here, too. So 
just a lot of good, scary fun to be had throughout this entire movie. Definitely. Something that we probably should have mentioned earlier in the story, but when he was getting these stones, the people that had them had to give them up willingly. Yes. So in these horror scenes, I think you mentioned it, Jared, you didn't know it wasn't going to turn out the way you thought it was or how they were going to give that stone up. And once they did, it was a twist. That was, I thought that was interesting with all those scenes. I'm glad you mentioned that, too. It really gave it, and especially kind of the way Jason described the, the carnival scene, it really gave it one of those sort of House of Mystery DC comics from the 70s feel like where you've got this bean or this demon or, you know, he's basically a demon, right? Or, or he's a warlock. <laughs> and you ha- he has to get it willingly, like. It just feels like all those vignettes feel like those little six, eight page stories from a DC comic of of the horror variety in the 70s. All right, let's go back and score these. Let's go back to Warlock of 89. Jason, I think you and I both like Barn Fight. Uh, What'd you score it? I scored it a six. I mean, it had some great elements to it, but it did have some cheesy effects. So I'm going to hold it a six for that one. We are back to match game. That will be our fifth one for the episode. Uh, let's see what happens when we go to Warlock Armageddon. We're all over the place, but they're all like a lot of fun. They all have those great horror vignette moments in them. What's your scores? A lot of these I would score a solid seven, and that's what I scored this one, seven. And I, again, just the captivating, that got so weird, so fast factor of the gender reveal <laughs> that you called i will always remember it. it'll it stick with me in fact when i rewatch this like that's the part i was like I, I, is this as wonky as i remember yeah it is and it stuck with me so well i'm gonna give it an eight jim which movie do you think had better horror scenes warlock armageddon 2 i think had the better horror scenes i think they were more thought out had more meaning to the storyline than the first one so warlock armageddon 2 i know man one fifth the budget Double the horror scenes. <laughs> Maybe triple. <laughs> All right. You think we're done? We're not done. We got the deduction round. So it is time to play the round of the ridiculous to see if we're going to take any points off from either of these films for what we think are the low part of the film. So I'm just going to lay it out there, Jared. Are You You kind of hinted. You kind of hinted we might have a deduction coming. So go ahead and lay it on me. What, what you got? I tend to do deductions for things that just really take me out of the movie. And that flying scene, you mentioned it. They should have jawsed it. They should have, again, props to him for selling it with a cool and unique flying pose that I'd never seen anywhere before and seemed like how a warlock might fly. I don't know. But that janky special effect just kind of took me out there for a minute. And I was like, eh. It was one of those things where as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, we'll be talking about that on the show. (laughs) So I will give it a minus one on that. They would have been better off to just Cut that scene out. Yeah, I had that as well. And the reason why I'm giving it a minus one in addition to a low point in spectacle is because I can forgive it if the scene allows it, right? But for me, it was kind of a sad, dark moment on how he flies, but murdering that kid, Drake and I were watching it together. We're like, oh, that's that's sad. That's sick. That's dark. And then it was like, <laughs> look at him go. <laughs> and I we're just like, man, this, and it really kind of takes away 
it does take away from that scene. Yeah, minus one for me for that scene as well. You're right. Your your idea is spot on, man. They could have used the radar gun. They could have shown the close-up of the wind like flying through his face and then just shown the shadow right over the car and maybe rock the police car a little bit or something to yep. really just yep. sell that. If he could fly, why did he have to uh, hitch a ride on the airplane? He ran out of kid fat. <laughs> just a thought, you know. <laughs> I mean, even the warlock's like, man, I can't be boiling up two kids in one day. That's just wrong. Because he was following them. He knew that they knew where they were going, but he needed to follow them to get to where that book was hidden because he had no clue. They had the clue, so he was trailing them. That makes sense. Any deduction for uh, Warlock Armageddon? No. <laughs> Me neither. No, I thought it was it was this very rare thing where the second one is just better all around. And I still like 89 Warlock. So yeah, no, I'm not taking anything away from Warlock to the Armageddon. That was that was fun as heck. The same. Yeah, I didn't have any any minuses for that one either. All right, Jim. Any airing of grievances? Anything that we missed? No, I think you mentioned you know, the flying scene was one. I don't really have any other grievances, but I do have to mention in Armageddon 2, Julian Sands was birthed and the guy knocked on the door. Was that the actor from Gremlins? Oh, I don't know. I think it was. I can't remember. It is. It was. I looked it up. It was Zach Galligan. It was the actor. Oh, the guy, Gremlins. the main star of Gremlins. Okay. I, yeah, was, thinking, yeah. I was like thinking of the dad no. and no, 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 no. He stole oh, his black. Oh, the black <laughs> and the black out. Oh my yeah. gosh, that was the Gremlins kid. <laughs> yeah. Good oh. eye, Jim Meal. <laughs> nice. But anyway, uh, really, uh, no grievances other than what you've already mentioned. So, all right. Well, that's the end of our official rounds. Okay, folks, don't worry if you haven't keeping up with the math at home. We do that for you at Action Film Faceoff. Let's check in on Match Game. If you guessed five Match Games and you guessed right. Looking at Sniper Points, Jim gave four of his bullets to Armageddon 2 and one bullet to the original Armageddon. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Faceoff with a score of 77 to 61... Is Warlock 2 the Armageddon? Congratulations to Warlock Armageddon. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from. Choose your destiny. Two thousand six, and I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Nineteen eighty-seven. What will those films be? We'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, and we're thinking of you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode and find out. Till then, I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrecht, and you can find me on social media at Jason Albrick, on Threads, and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist on X, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. 
You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Jim, where can folks find you? You can find me on Facebook at Jim Meal, J-I-M-M-I-E-L, and on Twitter, X, as Jim the Joe Junkie. Love it. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on all the podcatchers out there or on YouTube, or you can directly check out the shows at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media. It's at Longbox Crusade, whether it is on X or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. It's all at Longbox Crusade. We also have our own Twitter X account. It's at AFFO Podcast, and that one's more direct to just, uh, I'll say me and Jason, but Jason left the X a while back, so it's really just a direct line to me. And speaking of direct lines, you can leave us a voicemail with your thoughts. You can complain about our decisions. You can you know, agree with us wholeheartedly, whatever you want to do. 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, because the color is inside the house. This is horror film face. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep those silver bullets handy and your garlic, and your garlic fresh. 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 The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. (laughs) With your real cleaned up beard and everything. um, Yeah. And I'm being very sincere here. I'm not. It's not like a joke or anything. Because I like the person I'm about to compare you to. You, I, you look a bit like Joey Fatone. Don't know if you've ever got that one before. No, no, I don't. I All right, you know who he is? <laughs> vaguely, yes. I yes. think he was one of the NSYNC guys. Oh, yeah, one of those kids. Yeah, but I see him. He he guests on uh, Impractical Jokers from time <laughs> to time. He's just a real okay. fun guy and, and and just a really cool dude to be around. So it's a complete compliment. Just so. Oh, wow. you know. <laughs> I was going to take it that way one way or the other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, good. Not bad. I, whenever I hear what lies beneath, I have to b- bust out this fun fact. All right. So these two movies should always be connected in your mind. What lies beneath and cast away with Tom Hanks. Cause it's the exact same crew director, everybody. What they did was they filmed all the front end stuff with Tom Hanks. And then he needed to lose all that weight for once he's on the Island for, you know, a couple of years. So they took a break from filming Castaway. They went, th- that exact crew went and filmed What Lies Beneath while Tom Hanks lost all the weight. And then they came back and finished <laughs> Castaway. So it's the movie they filmed while Tom Hanks lost a ton of weight for Castaway. <laughs> That's my fun it, fact. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, it's all the same people, like huh. all the same production crew. It's like everybody but Tom Hanks. <laughs> and I think Wilson the volleyball stayed behind as well. <laughs> He didn't have to lose any weight. He could stay in the same shape the whole way through. You're going to have to cut this out, but that's to be corny. <laughs> Here, boil some of my flesh so you can fly, Warlock. Wow. Yeah, you'll have to cut that out. Yeah, maybe not even make the outtakes. <laughs> and more boobies. <laughs> And more Julian Stan's <laughs> penis. <laughs> Something for everyone. <laughs>